This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. If you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Burr, <laughs> Burr, speak for all of us. I uh, want to acknowledge this as Martin Luther King, his, his birthday, his life. And uh, I would, it, it's just, um, you know, Lincoln and Washington and Martin Luther King all remind us of good things. And of those three, the most Christian, and I can say this, having done some studies, by far is Dr. King. Okay? And it, it just know that, and what he represents in our nation's history is worth celebrating. And we need to repent as a nation of all the things that have drawn people apart. The gospel is about unifying all races. And, and, and somehow the church got off track on that one. So uh, we, we take this time every year to acknowledge uh, Dr. King's contribution to our life. He's not a perfect man, but uh, neither were Lincoln nor Washington. And uh, anyway, there's an odd paradox I mentioned last week. The paradox is that single people are valued so highly, it seems, in the New Testament. And yet when they come to church, uh, places like this, what I hear oftentimes if I listen carefully is I feel like a second class citizen. I feel like uh, I'm in purgatory of some kind, you know, just not, not really fully there. And there, there's something that, that's not right. And after all, Jesus was, is, was on this earth. Jesus was the standard for what a human being is, right? You know that that's part of that's just bedrock Christian doctrine. Jesus is the true human being. Now, the true human being was a single man, right? So we gotta, we got to ask some questions here. What is it uh, that we need to know, Lord? We need to let God speak and listen to why God values uh, uh, the single life as much as he does. 
And I mentioned last week the statistic that, oh, 50 percent now of the American adult population is single. So it's very relevant. This whole question of single is very relevant. Fifty percent that's gone uh, up in years in the years that, in our lifetime. And then um, my it, it, it's relevant to all of us because all of us have been single in our lives. Right. We weren't you weren't born married if you're married. Did you know that? It may seem like a long time ago, but and um, and and the truth of that is is that there for a lot of us in this room, and I and I hope it's not through divorce, but typically one spouse dies before the other, right? And so you end up in a single life again. Many of you will, and that's so. My dad, after 47 years of marriage to my mom. She died in 1998, and I can still remember him calling me up. I think it was maybe two years after that, and he he wanted some advice on dating. He was 78 years old, and he uh, this is really weird. <laughs> and and so um, I said, well, gee, Dad, I'm a little rusty myself. I've been married for over 20 years, so. Uh, don't know a whole lot, but I think I think the basic concept and this is, you know, the Bible says absolutely nothing about dating. If you're wondering, just nothing. I mean, you can draw draw some conclusions on your own, but it's it's a, it's just wasn't part of that culture, that world. So uh, I said the basic concept is something like this. It, this. This is my theory. All right. So this is just me. Speed is everything when it comes to dating. You don't want to go too fast. You don't want to go too slow. Right. And if you have the wrong person you're dating, well, then you really want to go very slow, you know, <laughs> but you don't want to go too fast, too slow. That's that's all I could say. I mean, that's um, but this we find ourselves in, again, these categories. I'm going to just focus on the categories of singles. You can be single and called and gifted, content with being single. I know people like that. They feel like this is God's gift to them. They have no problems with it, at least for this part of their life. And then you have people who are single and they don't feel called and gifted. If this is a gift, it's a gift I don't want. You know, so I get that, too. They're not content with that. They're single and cohabitating. We're going to talk about that next week a bit. Single and widowed. Uh, single and divorced without kids, single and divorced with kids. And then there's just variations on on all of that. So lots of categories. It, it's not this is not something that is uh, out on the fringes. This is part of our life together. Now, God has spoken and our basic theology is that our own thoughts and feelings are subject to being wrong and they need to be clarified and uh, amplified by God's voice. And then we get corrected. That's that's how it works. And when we do that, we have hope in our lives. If we think that we know things more than God, that, that our feelings are more accurate than God's word to us, then we will be in trouble and we will experience pain. And we won't always be able to see the, the uh, cause of our pain uh, because we're out of sync uh, with God. So God has spoken very positively on singleness. And this voice you're going to find this morning is um, what he says is for married people, too. And uh, it has a great deal for all of us in this life together. Why is God so uh, positive? Uh, the church we're going to be looking at here in Corinth was very, very messed up. 
and probably the most messed up church in the New Testament. However, all the churches in the New Testament were messed up. And if you're new to this church, so are we. Okay, look around you. There's some odd people sitting around you. And, you know, I I always say I'm, I'm an imperfect pastor of an imperfect church. It's very true. Now, um, this particular church, though, I want to I want to. And isn't it good news before I go there that we wouldn't have the New Testament were it not for those messed up churches because these letters were in response to their messes. And isn't that good news for our life that God, um, our messes provoke his voice to us and he gives us hope. So, um, you know, it's, it's not all bad news. OK, the church in Corinth. Uh, I want to just hit on, on this just a little. We're not going to have time to go through all of chapter seven, but it is uh, very long and and somewhat confusing uh, chapter. And uh, I want to try to help make sense of it. There was a hyper spiritualism in Corinth and uh, hyper spiritualism is when people they over spiritualize everything. They thought that the, 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 there was more. Oh, there was. Let me just put it put it this way: that they thought that the spiritual world was good and the material world was bad. That is not Christian. That is not the faith that we have. And it led to this belief that the body is evil and only the spirit is good. And so, therefore, women were denying their husbands sex. No, it's not good. I can say that and be totally biblical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've uh, well, anyway, I won't, won't go any further there, but hey, it's good. To, it's good for it to be able to say that and not just be a guy who's trying to manipulate, you know, but but that's what they were doing. They were women were, were saying we're too spiritual for that. And so in response, what do the husbands do? They go to prostitutes, temple prostitutes, so they can spiritualize it. <sighs> See what a mess this is? So, I mean, these are prostitutes who are operating in the temple in Corinth. Well, so marriage was undervalued and singleness was seen as more spiritual. Marriage was undervalued. And so you actually had people who come to Christ and they say, now I'm spiritual. Now I'm spiritual. And they get a divorce. I mean, there's just crazy stuff going on in this place. And so Paul is arguing that marriage and singleness are both gifts, good gifts from God. But he prefers to be single. That's all it is. People have taken so much of this chapter out of context. Paul is not saying that singleness is better for everybody. He's just saying for him, he prefers it. There's no commandment there. Please. There's freedom. And, and we're going to uh, explore some of what he says. But that's basically what's going on in Corinth. And... Uh, Let me read verse 28 for you again. We'll start there. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry marry will face many troubles in this life. Can I hear an amen? Okay, don't do it if you're sitting next to your spouse. But I want to spare you this. Now, Paul is saying... um, Marriage is, is not a sin. Now, that's, that's crazy. It seems if you know your Bible and you know your Old Testament, I want to do a little excursion here to the Old Testament. For, for Paul, who is as Jewish as you can get, 
He was the Jew of, of Jews if, in that sense. For him to say marriage is not a sin, it seems so crazy because in the Old Testament, marriage is the only way that you operated as a human being. To be Jewish means you value marriage. I mean, it just seems like why would he even bother saying that marriage is not a, a sin? Uh, so let's go back into the Old Testament and I'll, we'll kind of sort that out just a little bit and see w- w- where he goes here. If you go to the Old Testament, uh, we remember that uh, uh, marriage, you know, the Genesis story and the two becoming one and marriage was normal, absolutely normal. There's very few single people in the Old Testament. Very few. You're expected to get married. You talk about expectations of relatives now. Some of you think, oh, are you married yet, honey? Are you married yet? When are you going to find that guy? Well, you would have been way more in those days. So you were um, uh, there would have been a a great there's not there was put it this way. There wasn't a freedom to be single in the Old Testament, not freedom to be single. And that's what's changed in the New Testament. But we'll get there in a minute. Why was that the case? Because eternal life, the way eternal life was defined was that eternal life was basically in this world. There was no you won't find the word heaven in the Old Testament and neither will you find the word resurrection. Eternal life was defined in this life, meaning I'm going to have children. I'm going to get married and have children and my name will live on through my children. And there was this sort of shadowy understanding of what what might happen when I die. But nothing like what the New Testament gives us in terms of uh, of clarifying uh, heaven and eternity. So. If you're going to have eternal life in the Old Testament, that means you must have kids. Now, that's why women in the Old Testament who could not have kids were, I mean, there was so much pain added to just the pain of not being able to have kids. It was a social stigma that's way beyond, it should be, I mean, I hope it's not that way today, but it it was way beyond that then, okay? You need to see that. If you don't don't see that, you're going to miss everything else here about this. Eternal life was defined in having kids in this life. If you didn't have kids in this life, your name didn't live on. Your family name didn't live on. Okay, then Jesus comes and he mixes things up as he has a way of doing in our lives. When Jesus comes, he changes everything, right? And he defines when he is crucified on a cross and resurrected from the dead, he, de- he redefines what eternal life is. Eternal life... And he redefines what family is and he redefines um, what fruitfulness is. How many descendants does Jesus have? How many descendants? I mean, think about it. You are, if you are Christian, you are a descendant. You are one of his descendants. You are part of the family of God. Your earthly family that you are now part of is secondary to the family of God. You can you can believe that or not, but that's what the Bible says. It redefines everything. Jesus is not an add on to your life. He redefines your life from the center. So uh, fruitfulness, you know, in the Old Testament, be fruitful and multiply. Jesus gives us the Great Commission, which says, uh, go into all the world and basically be fruitful and multiply. Teach everyone, make disciples. So the single person today, as with Paul or Jesus, The single person today can be every bit as fruitful in the kingdom of God as a married person. In fact, Paul prefers it because why? Because if you're married, you're going to have troubles. 
doing all that, it's going to be harder. He prefers it. He's not, he's not commanding it. He's preferring it for himself, at least. He's got a gift. He says someplace else, some have a gift for it, some don't. All right, that's, that's what Paul is, is getting at. That's the excursion. Now, there's one more place we need to go in the Old Testament, though. Genesis chapter 2, which is our uh, kind of a key verse for marriage. And when, when single people hear this, they get a little like they wonder if they're really uh, included. And so we remember verse 18 of chapter two. The Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Boy, did my dad ever believe that when he was 78 years old. That's that's why he was calling. I mean, it's right there. And so he says, I will make a, a helper suitable for him. And it goes on and on and on there about all the animals that were brought before the man. And they didn't look good. And finally, God does this thing with Adam. And puts him to sleep and makes out of him a woman. And he wakes up and he breaks out into poetry, the first poem in the Bible. At last! <laughs> that's, the word, that's what it means. At last! This is the one. The bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Ah, oh, he's excited. Now, what does a single person do when they hear that? They think, well, I guess I'm not complete or I'm not able to be fulfilled or whatever. And that is in Jesus again. Everything gets changed, gets jostled. And so it's important for a single person to have gender, other gender relationships. And I'm assuming sexual purity here, both in marriage and outside of marriage and everything I say. But you are uh, uh, you still relate to the other gender as Jesus did. And as Paul did, if you read the New Testament, Jesus had women friends. And so did Paul. So it's not the verse still applies, but something else has happened that gets veneered over the top. And that it, we're going to go there now. So what the word means, uh, or when the word says at last, the, the essence of what uh, Adam was saying at last, uh, it, Paul is saying in these next verses, there's another at last that we need to hear. And we find that in verse 29. Here's what he says. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. The time is short from now on. Those who have wives should live as if they had none. Please don't take that literally. (laughs) Oh, please. Those who have wives should now live as though they had none. I'm not going to quote that to my wife or, you know. And he's making a point here. And people who take the Bible literally at every point are going to get off track in a big way. Paul's point is that the times have changed. And he's saying everything that was before has been jostled by Jesus. So it's it's not going to be the same anymore. Your priorities are going to be different. And again, freedom, you'll see it here. Freedom to be married or not married. But it's going to change things. There's a new age coming. And uh, he concludes that I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he says for this world in its present form is passing away. The ages have been jostled. So I have my. My hula hoops here. And some of you are probably wondering, hoping maybe that I would. No, you wouldn't be. But uh, OK, so you have you have the age, the world as we know it. Right. And what Paul is saying is that there's an age to come. And this age to come has overlapped with the present age. You see this part right here, right here. And that's the age that we now live in. You don't just live in this age anymore. 
In that age, marriage was the only option. And what you saw in this life was the only option. There is a kingdom coming. There's another marriage. And when you hear that, when you get the taste of that other marriage, you're going to say, at last, at last, at last. We find that marriage mentioned in, in the book of Revelation in chapter 19. And it is the marriage of God and his people. So that's the at last that Paul is looking forward to. And when you find that at last, it changes everything in this life. Um, it changes the way you view marriage and the way you view singleness. Um, it's the ultimate. It is the ultimate marriage. This marriage, the marriage I have right now, and I can say this without getting in trouble, I think. I'll try to I'll find out later. But this marriage right now is not the ultimate thing in life. It really isn't. There is an ultimate at last marriage. Now, I, this marriage that's out there in the future between God and his people that I, I want to try to make a case here. Uh, thinking more broadly, biblically than just this text. But I believe it's consistent with what Paul is saying that the marriage is something I'm going to speak to marriage first and then to single people and hopefully speak to all of us as we do. That marriage is a sign now. If you're married today, it's a sign of the significance and security and intimacy that you will you have a taste of now in, in marriage, hopefully. But that one day you will have the full gulp, guzzle. You'll be drenched in it. This is this is what for right now. Uh, this is the marriage is a sign. It points to something that is in part now, but that will one day be full. And that is the marriage between you and God. So when I said I do to Patty 32 years ago, I, and I know this in my heart, and, and I, I, this is part of my deepest vow, that when I said to, I do to Patty, I was saying, I was renewing my I do to Jesus. Okay? And I said in, that, Lord... I'm going to be faithful to her, and in being faithful to her, I'm going to be faithful to you. And if I'm not faithful to her, then I am not faithful to you. That's part. You see how marriage points us, this marriage, the marriage that we have right now, points us, points all of us. If you're single, our marriage points you to a marriage that is ultimate. Our marriage is not ultimate. If you think your marriage is ultimate, we have a word from the Bible for that, which we talked about this last fall, called idolatry. Idolatry is taking a good thing that God has given and making it ultimate. Your marriage today is not ultimate. It points towards the real deal. And in the real deal, how do we explain that? How do we talk about it? The marriage I have right now, and this is where I might get in trouble. The marriage I have right now is like Brussels sprouts compared to chocolate, compared with the future. I, she would say the same thing. It's not, it, it's going to be so good. Do you know that sex will be boring in heaven? The, the sex that we experience in this world will just be boring. C.S. Lewis had a lot to say on that. It, it is nothing compared with what we will have in terms of significant security and intimacy. We get a taste of it now. That's not bad. Brussels sprouts, uh, too bad. But then, whew, 
So when you're married, you are a sign of the future. That's the intent of that. Now, uh, here's let me let me just do some imagination stuff here for a minute, because I I look forward as I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking, you know, I look forward to something. And and I honestly, this is the picture I want to paint for you, but it says uh, pictures paint, you know, a thousand words. I look forward to that day, to the marriage, and seeing Patty married to Jesus in a way that I've never seen it before. Patty married to God in a way that I've never seen it before. And I can imagine, this is how I picture it, that, that I'm standing there and I'm watching Patty in her marriage ceremony with the Lord. I have no idea if this is how it'll be, but this is helpful for me. And the Lord says to Patty, I love you, Patty. And I think you're, you're beautiful. And then I can see Patty smiling and looking at me and me smiling with kind of a, um, you know, a little bit of a thing in my eye there. And, and I get to say those four words that I love to say more than any other in this life. I told you so. <laughs> I told you so. I t- and I told you so. I told you you were beautiful. I told you I loved you. But now, 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 you get to hear it from God. And how does that, I mean, do you see all that? I want you to see that. And I want you to see what marriage can be now. <laughs> You can, men, you're to love Christ or love your wife as Christ loves the church. That's what I'm trying to say. My job is to love her as Christ loved the church. And I can be God's voice to her now, but that is a pointer and a sign of the voice that she will hear once from God himself. When she is truly married, when we are truly married, and there is no marriage in heaven between men and women, simply because what, the, what is there is so much better. According to Jesus. Now, the, the, the reality is, is that marriage as a sign, if you take this and work, the power of spouses to speak into each other's lives is amazing. I know we're, I'm going to get to singleness here in just a minute, but if I if the world says that you are ugly, everyone says you're ugly, but your spouse says you're a be- you are beautiful. How do you feel? You feel beautiful. But if the world says you are beautiful, everyone says you're beautiful, but your spouse says you're ugly, how do you feel? You feel ugly. We have such power. Marriage is intended to be, and it isn't always, it can be hellish, but it's intended to be Something that's a sign of the marriage to come. And that marriage to come is for single people and married people. Now, single people, let's look at you. You are a sign to all of us if you're single. And I was once single. And when I was single, I was a sign. But there was a two-year period in my life where I came to Christ before I got married. And I was a sign of the priority of the kingdom of God, is how I would put it. That that um, I during when you're single, you have 
the amazing capacity to say, and, and I know that not everybody who's single wants to be single. I got that. But if you're, the potential is there to be a sign that says to everyone, married or single, that the kingdom of God is the most important thing in my life. The most important thing. Now, Paul says, because that is so, uh, this is where he goes into the, the stuff on, uh, you know, it, 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 you have all these concerns, you know, I mean, you got all these practical concerns. You got, I mean, you got to, rem- if you're married, you got to remember her birthday, for example, and anniversaries. And by the way, man, Valentine's Day is coming, you know, not too far away. So you've got to remember all this stuff. And you, are you going to get it wrong? And are you going to forget? And if you forget, you're in trouble. You've got all these concerns. And there's time. I mean, everything is complicated. Please don't hear me wrong, but everything is complicated by marriage, it seems, doesn't it? I mean, you've got, you got time and money and decisions that are all you could. You, when you were single, you, able, you were able to just bang, 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 bang. And you could do whatever you want. You could turn on a dime. And now it's just everything is, you know, you got to check in and it, it, uh, are things, you know, are you OK with that? Well, well, should we do this? I don't know. What do you think? You know, and you get all the, you know, the, the stuff that goes with that. And you remember last week that the person that you married is a wounded person the, and she's a, a he she's a self-centered person that is in process. Are you ready to I mean, there's trade offs here. There's huge benefits to marriage, but there's huge downsides potentially as a single person. Do you want to? Get into all of that, or do you want to be freed up, Paul says, to, to, do, to go where God takes you? Remember, the Spirit blows where it blows. You can blow with the Spirit. You can go here or there. You can have friends all over the place, and you don't have to worry about somebody being jealous. And I mean, it's, it's, that's got an appeal to it, Paul says. So you've got to figure out where you are in all of that. But whether you're married or single, the priority I mean, let, let, me, let me conclude with this. Married people, it does, you have freedom here, total freedom. And that's where the church has gotten it wrong. We've, we've made marriage into something idolatrous, really. We, we, like it's the only way. And then single people feel like they don't have freedom to be. No, you have freedom. The Bible says you have freedom to be single. It's why the, the motivation is everything here. Because remember, the, the Corinthian church, they, they were undervaluing marriage. And overvaluing the single life. And Paul is, he's, he's saying, yeah, the single life for me is better, but let me tell you why. It's not the same reasons that you've got. And we're going to talk about some of the reasons today for singleness are, are, are not valid. Just out of fear and, and, and going into other options like cohabitation, those are not good. But, but Paul is saying, look, married life is a sign of the kingdom that is coming is the sign of the marriage that we're going to all taste of. And the single life is a sign of the kingdom that is coming. The priority of that kingdom that some people choose to make in their lives. You have freedom to go either way. Do what you want. Paul says. And I know that um, some of you are in situations right now. You're in a bad singleness place or a bad marriage place. And all of this is, you know, maybe hard to take in. But we need to let God speak and bring hope into our lives. The answer to all of that, to our struggles, because we basically what I've been doing is flying at 30,000 feet or whatever, and we live down here. And the answer to our struggles down here is Christ. He is here today. Okay, 
And Christ is the one who makes sense out of our lives. Now, I want you to to um, consider this. Do you as a married person or a single person need to renew your life in Christ today or make new your life in Christ? He is the one who jostles the ages and he is the one who jostles the human heart. Now, Jesus is the one who looking at you and this. I want you to picture this. He is the one who says when he looks at you, he says, I do. I do. I do take this person, this man or this woman. I do take them as my own. I I know they've got stuff. I know they've got all kinds of fears and junk and wounds and self-centeredness. But I take them as my own. I commit myself to them. Jesus says, I do to you. So what do you say to him? That's the question. And he says, I do. I will, through uh, joy and sorrows, uh, sickness and health, poverty and riches, and even beyond death, I do. That is Jesus. The invitation is to come to Jesus. That's the, we need Jesus, whether we're single or we're married. And you have an opportunity this morning to... Just in your hearts, renew your commitment to him. Renew, Say, I do to him. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, as we listen to your truth and not just the voices of our own heart, we find that you love us. You find that you want the best for us. We find that this life is not all there is and that we often mistake Our our eyes just get set on what we can see. We miss the horizon. What is coming? The age to come, Lord, when all of this that we experience now will be a distant memory. And so I pray, God, for a renewal of hearts. And Lord, as we hear your voice saying, I do, in a covenant with us, I give each heart here the opportunity now to say, I do to you. We end this prayer of hope in Jesus' name. Amen.